unto thee, O Lord. Do I lift up my Taken up with uh, interesting information about our graduates, but please refer to some past bulletins with regard to our sick. I do have one particular update, and many of you have asked me about the results from my mother-in-law's test. She had a biopsy, actually a second biopsy, from a tumor that they found in her lungs, and they got the results back today, and it was negative, like the first biopsy. So we're all pretty happy about that. The doctor has said, though, that they're gonna continue monitoring uh, her situation, so about every three months or so, they'll be reevaluating it. But thank you so much for everybody's prayers.
So uh, about once a quarter, the mission team has determined that we're going to make available to you one of our missionaries or those who are doing works that we have interest in in places around the world. And uh, this quarter, we have Roger Comstock with us. Roger is actually a full-time minister in Gatlinburg. However, he is overseeing the Amerindian work that we're participating in in Guyana. And in fact, come the fall, JT and I, Lord willing, are going to be going with Roger and a group to Guyana. So we're looking forward to that. But there's a lot of work that's been done for many years in that country, and we appreciate so much Roger and his efforts in continuing that work. So tonight he's going to share with us some things that are happening down there, and I, I know we'll be very excited to hear about how the Lord's work is progressing. Uh, before he starts, let's have a prayer, and then we will give him his time. Our Father in heaven, thank you so much for the blessing of this day in particular and for all the good that we were able to accomplish to your glory. And Lord, we thank you now for this time that we can be assembled as a group to, to hear about the work that's being done in a far off place in the world. We thank you for the partnership we have with people like Roger to be able to take the gospel into places that otherwise we might not have any contact with. And we're just praying, Lord, that you'll bless him and the efforts of so many as that region of the world's being evangelized. We pray for great success. And we thank you, Lord, that uh, he's able to be with us here tonight. We pray that you will uh, help him in his ability to share those things that are most pertinent and just inspire us with news of good things that are happening. Uh, thank you for the blessing of that, and we pray your continued blessings on him and his work. In Jesus' name, amen. Good evening, everyone. It's good to see you again. It's, I, I can't even remember when I was here the last time been a year and a half or so, I guess. How long have you been here, Ken? So it's, it's probably been about a year and a half. Let, some, some of you know more and have been to Guyana more than I have. Um, and you all have been involved in the work in Guyana for, for a long time. And uh, I started with Brother Jerry Davidson in 2006. I never anticipated being in this role that, that I am now, the Somerdale Elders asked if I would if I would take this on and because I because I was afraid of what might happen if I didn't it was struggling um, so you all have made it possible for the work to continue uh, the last time I was here there were some of you individually that uh, that gave me money for Amory Indian missions the the ladies group gave me some money for Amory Indian missions and we greatly appreciate your support and uh, I'm tickled to death that JT and Ken are going to be able to go with us, Lord willing, in, uh, in the fall to the village of Marakabai. They'll get to enjoy about a two and a half hour boat ride. And literally, it is a, you'll, you'll love it. it is, if, it's an absolutely beautiful ride, uh, about 55 miles up a river. Uh, beautiful, beautiful place. Um, you all, am I, 
Are, are these turned on? Do they need to be? I can, I can look up here. Most of you know, because of your experience here, you've been, you, you know where Guyana is. It's on the northern coast of South America between Venezuela and Suriname. In fact, part of the problems that they're having now is because of the situation in Venezuela. They're getting a lot of refugees coming across the border and creating, creating a lot of problems for the Guyanese people and the Guyanese government. So uh, um, it's, it's a very difficult situation. Um, do I need to do something special here, Ken? I'm not. There we go. Um, I have Guyana circled, and I put that other line across there just to give you a, a reference point. That's, uh, that's the equator um, in the village of, of Lethem, where we is sort of our base camp. We're about 3.3 degrees north of the equator. So that makes for nice, cool weather and um, not. It was, it, it's, it's about like when you step out here today. Um, I appreciate you all having some nice warm weather for me. Uh, but uh, it, it, it gets, uh, oftentimes in the afternoons will be anywhere from 95 to 110 or 115 degrees. Uh, we, we go in the dry time. I, I do that on purpose so we don't... Uh, have to deal with the rains. There's a, a different map of the country. We fly into Georgetown, which is the capital city. <clears throat> Excuse me. And then we usually, the t when we take a team, a group, we usually fly to, uh, to Lethem, down more toward the southern border, right on the Brazilian border. And that's sort of our base camp, I guess you could say. Uh, that's where we keep most of our junk. Most of us that go have uh, containers down there where we don't have to carry clothes back and forth. Whoops, let me go. Let me. It will back up. Um, I circled Jonestown up there in the in the in the upper left-hand corner. Uh, most of you are familiar with Jonestown. Uh, I'll refer to that a little bit later. Uh, but uh, Jonestown is not something that the Guyanese people are proud of. Um, even though it was none of their doing, um, and, and when all that, uh, the mass suicide occurred, uh, the United States government basically told, suggested to the Guyanese that they clean it up, and the Guyanese govern, government was um, forceful enough to say, this is your mess, you come and clean it up. Um, there is a mass grave in California with about 400 bodies in it, uh, others, some families claim the bodies of their loved ones and so forth. But uh, I've only had one sightseeing trip while there, and, and we spent that one day in, in Jonestown. Some of the members of the church were, member, were there and members of the church when that mass suicide happened. That's been, that's been over 40, about 43 years ago now. Doesn't seem possible that it's been that long. Um, you all knew Brother Jerry. Uh, I was... Uh, uh, I thought the, the picture, I, I thought it was a unique picture of him with a, with a laptop and sitting at his tent. Um, I dearly loved Brother Jerry. Brother Jerry was the kind of fellow you couldn't say no to because he would give you this stare and he would stare at you until you said yes. And, uh, but I, I dearly, dearly loved him and respected him. Uh, I appreciate him even more now after trying to, to fill his big shoes over these last couple of years. But uh, I had the privilege of preaching his, his funeral in, in Tennessee. He had another funeral down in, uh, um, in Daphne uh, for, the, for the lower Alabama folks. 
but uh, I was very honored uh, that they asked me to preach, to preach his funeral. Uh, another man that many of you, some of you would know, um, Brother Larry Kirby passed away um, this past January, I believe it was. Jerry had been involved in the, the Guyana work for a long time. Great, great worker. Um, just, I can't say enough good about him. Here he was uh, singing with some of the children before our evening worship. But uh, we will certainly miss uh, Brother Larry in, in our work in Guyana. But I thought it was only a, appropriate that, uh, that we recognize him and, and his work. The Guyanese money is uh, vastly different than ours. You can see the exchange rate. Now one of our dollars buys $216.09 of their money. Um, a Coca-Cola will cost you $200. Um, but you got to remember the... And one of the things a lot of people don't realize, as our dollar changes in value, you think about that. You know, to us, a dollar is a dollar, right? Even though it'll only buy a pint of gas now. Um, a, a dollar's a dollar. But with, with basically the United States sets the trend for the, basically the whole world. Most of the monetary systems in the world are, are based on our dollar. And so when that dollar value changes, say for example the dollar value drops, and say it drops, uh, well, like what, didn't they raise the interest rate today? Um, biggest increase in a long time, but there, the, the exchange rate, it might drop to, say, 195 in exchange for one dollar. Well, see, well, you and I don't feel that. We don't see that. But it affects our preachers. Uh, they, they're not, they, they're getting the same dollar amount of money, but it's not worth as much uh, because of uh, the changes in the exchange rate. Um, this is uh, Katura. It is uh, the largest single drop waterfall in the world. That was my other sightseeing trip that same, uh, that same day. Um, that's 741 foot drop. Uh, beautiful, beautiful. It's out in the middle of nowhere. Uh, they fly you out there and fly you a circle around the falls and uh, it, it is just absolutely beautiful. Um, I mentioned Jonestown, uh, the preacher uh, in, in the town there in that village was our sightseeing guide and we walked about a, nearly a mile back into the jungle and where you see that monument that we're standing by um, that was the center of Jonestown when it was a uh, um, commune is basically what it was and now it is all grown back up other than that monument you can't tell there was ever anything there it's all grown back up in uh, in jungle but uh, it was very interesting to be able to talk to some of the members who had been there during that, uh, during that terrible time. Uh, especially for you ladies, uh, I don't know if any of you grow orchids. Um, they just grow wild in Guyana uh, on the side of a tree or just anything. They're more of a, almost like a parasite. They grow off of other, uh, other things, other trees and so forth, but they are always beautiful, beautiful flowers around. Um, lots of birds, lots of parrots and parakeets, um, especially in the evening as they fly tree to tree. They're absolutely beautiful. Uh, near the village of Karasabai is a sanctuary for the golden par parrot, um, the only place in the world that they know of that the golden parrot exists. And it is a very, 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 very beautiful bird. Um, I love the little bananas. They, those are bigger than some of them. Most of them are only about this big. And, you know, we, 
we eat uh, fruit that comes from foreign countries like bananas and pineapple and so forth. And you all realize the things we eat have been picked probably for two or three months, maybe, maybe longer. But the things, you know, like your tomatoes in your garden, aren't they the very best when they ripen on the vine? Same thing with bananas and pineapple and so forth. These bananas, are they're like eating candy. I mean, they are so, so good. They're very, very sweet. Um, this is Last year was the first time that I have ever made the road trip. The map I showed you earlier, we, we typically fly from Georgetown to, uh, to Lethem. But uh, I made the road trip with our man, Sunil Joseph, in the pickup truck, um, 300, about 330 miles of, of dirt road. Not, not gravel road, dirt road. Um, and during the rainy season, it's uh, mud for that 300 miles. Uh, but it's uh, quite a ride. You have to stop in the middle. I think I have a picture of a ferry boat somewhere. Um, but that's the general area where we concentrate most of our work, most of the congregations. Um, those all, the names around there, we don't have uh, congregations in all of those villages, but uh, this map showed most of them. And we, we now, because of people like you, we support 23 preachers. Uh, when I began two years ago, we were supporting 12. So the good generosity of congregations like you all have made it possible for us to, uh, to continue to add to the, to the workforce down there. Uh, some are paid as part-time, some are paid as full-time, but uh, I believe, not because of me, but because of the men that we have now as preaching, I believe it's the best group that we've ever had in the, in the years I've been involved. This is the best group of men I believe we've ever had. Um, there are nine different Amerindian villages. Amerindians are the native people of South America. They would be I guess you could say distant cousins to our North American, uh, uh, um, you're not supposed to say Indians, are Native Americans. Um, it'd be distant, distant cousins, but their physical characteristics are very, very similar. Uh, the facial structure, their body size and so forth, their skin tone, uh, very much like the North American Indians uh, would be their different, uh, um, their distant cousins, as I said. But each of these, each of these uh, nine different uh, tribes, each have their own language. They are not dialects uh, like uh, we, we in the South talk a little bit different than the New Yorkers. Uh, I don't know if it, probably none of you want a cup of coffee in the morning. Uh, but uh, that would be more what I would put in line with what I would call a dialect. These are nine different distinct languages, distinct alphabets, um, all written, all written uh, um, alphabets and so forth. But uh, so we have to try to match the preacher in his native tongue. Most of them speak English. It's taught as a second language in the schools. But we have to try to match the preacher in his native language to the village where, uh, where we want him to go work uh, so, we, so he can communicate better, obviously. Um, I think I showed this to you when, when I was here last time. We had just completed this uh, work we did during the COVID virus of taking dry goods to, uh, to I think, 21 or 22 different villages. I probably have it up there somewhere. 
21 different congregations. Um, Sunil and his family bagged, uh, fixed up a bag for every member of, the, of the, each congregation. And he and his family traveled about 2,400 miles in delivering rice and sugar and, and flour and salt and uh, laundry detergent, well, not laundry detergent, but dish detergent and a couple other smaller items uh, totaled a cost. And you all helped us with a special gift uh, about a little over $16,000 that bought 11, a little over 11 tons of dry goods that uh, Sunil and his family distributed, uh, distributed for us. Um, it was a, a great help to them. We don't do the container shipping like Brother Jerry used to do, but we do work with a shipper in Nashville that our Guyanese people, uh, which was kind of a surprise, and uh, anything you can get in that box, uh, weight doesn't matter, the size of the box is what matters. And it is shipped by seagoing ship. Um, takes two or three months to get there. But uh, as you can see, we even taped the flaps on the top of the box so we could get more in there. That one is about three quarters of the way filled up with songbooks that were given to us by different congregations. Um, we during dinner we talked some about motorcycles that we buy for some of the preachers. We have about 10 or 12 motorcycles that we give to the preachers who need them in their work to get to, to the, some of the remote areas. Um, this is a Honda 100 or 150, I believe they are. Um, they cost us, we buy them down there, they cost us about $2,500. Uh, we have found a new, uh, uh, another make, I can't even pronounce it, but uh, we can get those. They're a little bit taller bike, but they're about $1,700. Um, but so we're trying those. They're kind of in a test basis now. There's my motorcycle. Um, I bought uh, this electric bike. Um, it is it is a bicycle. You can see you can actually see the pedals. If the electric if the battery dies, I could pedal. Uh, but the mile and a half walk from the motel to the church building, at my age, it, it's getting a little much. Um, tr problem was you don't want to ride an electric bike in the rain. Um, not a not a good thing, um, but uh, it was it, a pretty pretty slick little machine. Uh, I, I I really enjoyed having it available to me. Um, but we bought that. I bought it personally in Georgetown. Um, I love the children. Uh, they they just they just kind of grab your heart. You can't help but love the children, and they are just just beautiful, be beautiful children. And and so I like I like getting my picture taken with the little children. Um, this is uh, one of our preachers, Archer Moses. We have about five or six Moseses preaching uh, from the Moses family. They are all sons and father and cousins and so forth, obviously. But uh, this, this would be a typical scene in, during our campaigns. You just find a place where, hopefully shady, uh, a place where you can sit down enough to, uh, and, and sit and study the Bible with anybody who's willing and many, not like here in the States, many people are willing to sit down and study the Bible. We carry a supply of Bibles. I suspect over the years you all have helped buy some of those Bibles. And we give a Bible to anyone who wants a Bible. We take that for granted. How, can, how many Bibles do you have in your home of different translations and so forth? Uh, most of them have never owned a Bible. Um, and so they are just, they, you'd think it was their birthday when uh, you hand them a Bible and tell them it's theirs 
uh, to keep. So we, we try to set up Bible studies in the villages, in the campaigns we do. We haven't been able to do campaigns for the past two years because of the COVID uh, virus, uh, but uh, Lord willing, in, in September and October, we'll get back to doing campaigns. This is a, somewhat of a typical village. Uh, they live in what you and I generally would refer to as a grass hut. Um, the, the roofs, many of them, some of them have, they call it zinc, we call it tin. Uh, some of them will have tin roofs, but generally they are uh, from the, the branches of a palm tree. And growing up in Florida, we called them palm fronds. And they have a, a real interesting way of weaving them together. And a roof like that will last for as much as 15 years. Quite interesting. Um, they don't leak. Um, it, it really is interesting the, uh, how they have learned over the years to make those. I, I don't know if you can count uh, how many are on that bicycle, but that's a common sight that you see quite frequently. That the whole family will be on one bicycle. Uh, a bicycle is a very valuable thing to them. We, we've had people who will walk 10, 15, 20 miles to come to a worship. I knew one young woman that came Sunday morning and Sunday evening carrying a baby, and she walked six miles from her home to the church building where we were meeting. Um, She did that four times that day. That's 24 miles she walked to come to worship carrying a baby. Um, Would you do that? Um, Some are probably trying to get them to move the parking lot closer to the front door. Uh, but uh, it's amazing um, what some will do to, to hear the gospel. Uh, it just really touches you. This is at the school, uh, school in uh, the village of Paramakatoy. It's up in the mountains. You have to fly in there. Um, there are no road, not, it's not road accessible. Um, we were able to raise some funds uh, and bought 10 laptop computers for the school um, there and uh, we, uh, the, the people at World Video Bible School gave us their entire library and we downloaded uh, their entire library on every one of the laptops. Uh, the password for the laptops were, is Church of Christ. And, but every morning they gather like us. Now these are what we would consider probably middle school age roughly and this is what they do every morning. They do calisthenics out there. They uh, do jumping jacks and, and exercise a little bit. They say, their, uh, they say the Pledge of Allegiance to their nation. They sing their national song, their national anthem, and they have a prayer. And they, the teacher doesn't tell them to line up anything. They just know that's the routine and that's what they're going to do. Uh, I can remember when we used to do similar things in our schools. Um, shame we don't, uh, shame we don't do it anymore. Most of the schools will invite us to come in and allow us to teach Bible lessons, whether to a young group like this. These are about kindergarten age. Um, that's the brother Brian Hall doing the teaching for, to these children. He's, uh, extra, extra, especially good with the children. And sometimes we get to go into some of the older children, the teenagers, and uh, I was mentioning to some of the folks, uh, one, of, uh, one of the men that goes with us now is a retired Army colonel, 38 years in the Army, and uh, he, he likes to talk to the young people, the teenagers, and he gets very specific with them, very direct with them. In this room, there were about 400 teenagers, and, and you could hear a pin drop. He had their attention, and, and they... Now, whether they do what he, he was telling them is a whole other matter, but uh, 
at least he did have their attention. They all wear uniforms depending on what grade level they are and different villages oftentimes will have different colors and so forth. But what's amazing to me is you see these, uh, I think all of these were probably after the end of the school day, but you see them and they, they always look, well, except the boys, they always look nice and neat, um, wh white shirts and so forth, and they will be spotless. They'll look like they just came from the dry cleaners. Um, their home, most of their homes are dirt floors. Most of them have one room in their, in their house, and that's it. Uh, and, and it just amazes me to see these children, and some of these children will walk miles to come to school every morning, and they'll be, they'll just, they're just spick and span. They're just absolutely beautiful to see them and see how neat and clean they are, and they'll get out at lunchtime and, and play what they call football, we call it soccer, and uh, they don't even sweat at 100 degrees. They don't even sweat. I, I do enough for all of them, I think. Um, again, back to the map, uh, um, Culvert City is where the church building in Lethem is located. It's just an, an area in the, in the town of Lethem, but that's where, as I said before, sort of our, uh, sort of our base camp. Um, this is the, the school building uh, overseen by the Gulf Shores, or, or excuse me, um, Eastern Shore, thank you, Ken, Eastern Shore Church of Christ in Daphne, Alabama. Um, it is a two-year teaching program. I'm not sure how many uh, have come through the school. I would imagine upwards of 30 to 40, I would imagine. Uh, I go down and teach usually twice a year for two weeks at a time. And uh, there is a, the middle area, sort of a dormitory. On this end are two apartments for the teachers to stay in while they're there. Um, but uh, the, uh, the Eastern Shore Congregation oversees that and uh, has done a very, very good work. Most all of our preachers, in fact, I think I'm safe in saying all of our preachers have come through, uh, have come through the school at one time or another. It's a really, really very good work that uh, they oversee. That was last year's group of students. Um, of those, um, about half of those, I think, uh, without counting exactly, are, are now preaching for congregations in their villages, and most of them on the payroll. In the front, you see uh, uh, Leon Henry and his son next to him. Um, once in a while, we have some, uh, some ladies come to the school and kind of pretty things up a little bit. That's the, the classroom where we meet in the, the building I showed you earlier. Um, that's this year's group of students. You see what I mean about how they prettied up the group? Um, and, but these people, they're, they're quiet. I mean, very, very quiet. I've never once had to say, okay, let's calm down. You don't, you don't have to do that with them. In fact, just the opposite. I get older, my hearing isn't as good, and I have to ask them to repeat and repeat so I can hear them between the... Uh, the slant of their 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 language and their speaking and their softness and and, and they're not they're not emotional people uh, when I first started going you did well to get a handshake and and now most of them that we've known over the years will actually even give us a hug when we, when we see them after we've been away from them for several months but they're a, a good bunch of students it is somewhat of a new thing to have the ladies in the school, but uh, they certainly add to it. This last trip, we did a, a one-day preacher seminar. That's about, uh, I think, 18 
of our preachers that work in the southern part of the country. You can see in the very front, uh, Joseph Adventura. He's, he's our newest one uh, on, the, on the payroll, if you want to call it that. They refer to it as stipend. He, uh, he is paid as part-time. He's in a wheelchair because when he was in the Guyanese army, uh, one of his fellow soldiers stabbed him in the back and paralyzed him. He's been through the school. He teaches at the little congregation that's meeting in St. Ignatius. Um, just a delightful man, um, very sound and very, uh, very outgoing. Um, he doesn't hesitate uh, at all. I was going to back up a, a little bit um, and try to pick. See, the I'm bad with colors. Um, this is uh, um, Leon Henry. Um, Elvis Bernard, in, I'm talking about in the, the first row behind uh, Joseph in the wheelchair. Elvis Bernard, Elvis has 12 children. He has delivered every single one of them. I think it's kind of interesting that he's been there at the start and the, in the ending, um, you might say. But he's delivered all 12 of his children. Next to him is Glenn Brown, whom you all support. Um, you, you provide his pay. Um, and uh, next to him is... Uh, Paul Daniels from Monkey Mountain. We'll talk about Monkey Mountain a little bit later. Uh, there's a couple uh, white guys in there. Uh, James Penley's from Gadsden, Alabama. Great, great worker. He is now retired from Alabama DOT and uh, is devoting uh, most of his time to work and raising money uh, to work in Guyana. I dearly love James. He's a great worker. This is where the, the group in St. Ignatius meets now. This is uh, uh, Brother James... Uh, um, I can't think of his last name, um, but that's his workshop during the week. He makes cabinets and furniture, and he moves everything out of the way so they have a place to meet. And uh, I have uh, committed to them, if they'll, if they'll continue to work and grow a little bit, uh, we'll provide the funds for materials for them to build them a building. See, they don't own land. All, all of the Amerindian territory it belongs to the tribe, Nobody owns anything, and they have to be given a piece of land in order to build a building, which should be no problem, but uh, that'll be somewhere, Lord willing, in the next couple of years, we'll be able to accomplish that. Same, uh, same place, same uh, group of folks. Again, same thing. That's again, Brother, Brother Glenn was preaching at uh, the village of Napi in the morning and uh, preaching at St. Ignatius in the evenings. Um, the, as I said, that you, you support. This is my favorite place in Lethem. If you can't tell, that's the ice cream shop. Uh, the lady that runs it knows us on a first-name basis. Um, I've actually been there two or three times a day uh, at different times when it's 100-plus degrees. This gives you an idea of the roads. Those are about as good as they get. Um, they actually do grade them once every... 10 or 20 years, I think, um, but uh, they are very, very rough. Uh, we don't have to ride in the back of the big old deuce and a half army trucks anymore. We ride in uh, mini buses or vans, we would call them, um, so it's a little bit more comfortable, but it, they, the roads, I have several pictures of the roads. I mentioned the ferry that you, you have to be there at the right time. It only crosses the river over and back one time a day, so you have to be there or you have to wait till the next day. So uh, uh, you drive your vehicle up on it, and they carry you to the other side of the river. Um, that's about halfway down. Again, that's uh, their, their version of the divided highway, interstate, if you want to call it that, uh, as such as it is. 
That gives you an idea of some of the terrain that we have to go through sometimes to some villages. Uh, we own uh, that uh, truck belongs to Amer Indian Missions. Uh, we has a rack on it. We can haul bunches and bunches of stuff on uh, on that truck. It's a I'm not sure what model. It's a Toyota. Um, been very very good investment. Brother Jerry bought that uh, several years ago and has served us quite well. After each conversion in the evening service, when we've had a baptism during a campaign, we present the one who has been converted with a, with a large print, a nice large print Bible, a baptismal certificate, and uh, a book that uh, Brother David Farr wrote uh, many years ago called um, The Beginning of Our Confidence. He has given us permission. He sells it normally, but he has given us permission to reprint it as we need um, enough to provide for all the, the new conversions. Um, another village is Maruka. Uh, one of the things we've been doing during the, the, COVID, uh, the COVID months is uh, we've, been re, we've been reworking buildings that were, got in very rough condition. Um, that, was the, that was the church building with the living quarters above at Maruka. Um, this is uh, after we got done with it. Um, significant difference. Uh, Brother Sunil uh, kind of oversees that kind of thing. Um, we built this little house for a homeless man in the village of Maruka. Um, again, we bought the materials and the men in the congregation there built the house for, uh, for their brother in Christ. Uh, it's little, but he is very happy with it. Uh, this is uh, the, the congregation at the village of uh, Kaikumbe. It's out in the middle of nowhere, uh, hard to get to. Uh, this is their preacher, Alexis, and uh, that's the church building out there on that knob. I think I did a little closer zoom in. You can see the building and a, and a little uh, covering there behind it. Um, as you see, uh, you have to walk out there. It's the only way out there, and you have to cross a... Uh, well, uh, I lo again, I love the children. Um, but you have to cross this mud hole, and, uh, um, and this this... Out, it's like the, the slab, at a, if you're familiar with a sawmill, like the slab off the outside of a log. Um, that was all you had to, ha had to walk across this, uh, this water hole. And uh, the only reason they took that picture is because they thought the preacher was going to fall in the mud. Um, but I made it. With, I got one foot in the mud, but uh, I didn't, I didn't uh, give them what they were looking for. Uh, we work in the village of, uh, of Parashera. Here is a picture of the building and the members there. As uh, While I'm teaching school, usually James and Sunil go to the different villages, and James collects uh, uh, medicines and money. To, we can buy medicines in bulk in Georgetown, and we'll, we'll hand those out to the members of the congregation in, in the different villages. Uh, the village of, uh, of Marakabai, that's where Brother Ken and, and Brother JT will be going with us. Um, Lord willing, in the fall, it's about a 55. That uh, track from my uh, GPS is the river. Um, it's about a 55-mile ride, and it is absolutely beautiful. Uh, that's the building at Marakabai, and uh, that's the kind of boat that we travel in. Um, no life preservers, nice, comfortable wooden uh, benches. Um, I'm being facetious. But it's a beautiful, beautiful ride up that river, as you can see. It's just absolutely gorgeous. Um, here it would be a tourist attraction. Um, there at Marakabai, uh, uh, two little parrots had fallen out of the nest. 
and they they picked them up and and have basically made humans out of them. Uh, I remember that one Sunday morning, their mama was calling to them, trying to get them to come to her, and they wouldn't go. They liked being human more than they liked being parrots, um, but they they were became their pets. This brother was uh, the village of Marakabai makes its income from lumber. That's the primary export until they discovered oil. That's the primary export uh, for Guyana. And the village of Marakabai makes its living, uh, the whole village, off of the lumber business. Sadly, this brother in Christ had a, uh, had a tree fall on him and paralyzed him from the waist down. Um, the church takes care of him, provides him with uh, uh, um, depends or pull-ups, whatever you want to call them. Um, uh, he, he has a, a quite uh, difficult life, sadly. Um, this is... Uh, Brother Derek John, the preacher in the church at, at the church at Marakabai. Uh, um, great, great man. He is the Tushal, the mayor, the chief uh, of, of the village of, of, of Marakabai. Um, his wife made this basket. That, that basket is big enough you could put a, put a basketball in that thing. Uh, but she does absolutely beautiful wife, and she will do our cooking for us when we're there. Um, Indrani is her name. Uh, um, that was me pe- preaching in uh, Marakabai. Um, this little girl, I, I, not only do I love the little children, I love to torment them. Um, I don't know why that little girl stuck her tongue out at me, um, but uh, could be because I stuck my tongue out first. Um, but uh, the village of Mocha Mocha, Thomas George is one of our preachers, and John Campion. Uh, Thomas George is the two shao in his village which is, is very important. It's a, a, a very prominent position in these villages. Uh, that's the church building at, uh, at uh, Mocha Mocha. And here is uh, John Campion, uh, the regular preacher that we pay to work there with the church at Mocha Mocha. Incidentally, and I, I know I'm, I'm running short on time, but at Mocha Mocha, um, they generate their own, or they used to generate their own electricity. There's a waterfall there outside, on the edge of the village and like in the 1950s, the Chinese came in there and built them a generating plant. And because they didn't take care of it, it fell into disrepair and hasn't worked in a number of years. But in the last several months, the, the government there has gone in and they're trying to rejuvenate to the, the powerhouse, I would call it, um, to generate electricity for their village, which most villages do not have. This is at Karasabai. Uh, some of us call it Donkey Town. Uh, there are donkeys all over the place, and they, they like to, uh, uh, I think the polite word is bray, at uh, sunrise. Um, you don't need an alarm clock in Karasabai. Uh, they're, they're members. We were there again and handed out medications. Um, we don't hand out anything prescription. Uh, we Things like uh, anti-itch medications, um, sinus medications, stomach, uh, stomach medicines. Um, I don't want to get too vivid, but uh, worms, intestinal worms, are the biggest problem health-wise. A lot of hypertension um, that, uh, in, because of the way they eat. This is the church, uh, the congregation at the village of Marakabai, or excuse me, Karasabai. Um, some of you may have known uh, Brother Harold Martin from, uh, from McMenville. He provided the funds to build the building there at Karasabai. He passed away uh, about a month ago. 
Uh, again, a uh, mother and her twin girls, uh, beautiful, beautiful children. Um, this is the sunset in, uh, uh, in Karasabai. The mountain you see, mountains you see in the background are in Brazil. They are literally right on the Brazilian border. Um, this is two separate pictures of uh, the road conditions going into Karasabai. Um, our, our mission truck has a winch on the front. It's four but it also has a winch on the front of it. Um, it had never been used until that day, and we didn't know whether the thing would work or not, but it got us out of the ditch, and uh, we stopped and had a moment of prayer of thanks and uh, went on down the muddy road. Um, again, just another picture of the road and the conditions. Um, whatever our truck is, it's better than this one, um, but you see a lot. They, they have what they call their farm, which is usually just a massive big garden, usually three, four, five miles out away from the village. And that's how they survive. They raise their own food. Some of them raise food and sell it to the public schools that provide a meal for the children. But uh, oftentimes they will have cows and a, and a cart like this to be able to go back and forth to their farms. Again, uh, one of the beautiful children that... Some won't even let me touch them, but some will. Uh, but again, this is the savannah. This would be on the, on the road between Lethem and, and Ishelton. But th that's savannah and uh, the beautiful mountains in the background. These mountains are in, uh, in Guyana, just to the north of the, of the savannah. Uh, a pile of some of the, the medications that are handed out to, to the individual families in the congregation. Uh, Sunil, again, has some connections that he's able to buy in bulk, so our dollars go, uh, go a long way in buying the medications. Um, a jaguar skin, we talked about jaguars a little bit at dinner time. Um, I, I would I'd dearly love to have that skin, but I, I like not being in jail. Um, they are, but they are allowed to kill them if they're endangering their livestock. That's the only, or human life. But that's the only way they're allowed to kill them. And um, I don't know about you, um, I've done a little bit of deer hunting, um, usually with a gun. I tried it a time or two with a bow and arrow, but uh, that didn't work so well. Uh, but they, they're not allowed to have guns. They, can you imagine killing a jaguar with a bow and arrow? Um, not, not a position I'd want to be in. Um, again, notice the contrast. Um, this lady is probably not nearly as old as you would think. Um, if I were guessing, I'd say she's probably in her maybe early 60s, maybe late 50s. Um, life is hard there, but uh, as you can see from this little baby, they begin, they begin pretty well. And you know, they don't have a baby formula shortage. Um, I don't need to say anymore. Um, well, let, whoops, excuse me, let me back up. Um, the water down there is somewhat dangerous. Piranha everywhere. Um, anaconda, the, the, the big humongous snakes. Um, caiman, which are in the alligator family, are in the waters there. Um, so uh, I, I mean this sort of jokingly, but we encourage the locals to do the baptizing, um, not because of the piranha. We just don't, we don't want them idolizing Americans like Paul talks about in 1 Corinthians, how people begin what we sometimes refer to as preacheritis, 
Uh, so we let the local, we encourage the locals to do the baptizing. There's our method of, uh, most of our method of transportation. The, the, the roof you see there is what we call a banab. It's basically just a porch area, um, a place to sit and visit and relax. Um, one of the things I enjoy doing, I usually, I have two or three uh, DVDs of cartoons, stuff that our kids don't watch anymore. Um, Donald Duck and Bugs Bunny, and, and these kids have never seen anything like that. And it's more fun to watch the children than it is to watch the cartoons um, and their reaction to, to the cartoons. Um, uh, this is uh, going to Monkey Mountain. I wanted to show you, this, especially this, this has been our most recent work at Monkey Mountain. There was the building uh, two weeks ago. Well, maybe three weeks ago. Um, it was rough. Brother Jerry bought this building uh, many years ago. It was a dance hall and bar uh, when Brother Jerry bought it. Um, it is now a, a working congregation of the Lord's people. And uh, a, I want to get to a pic. There it is today. Sunil sent those pictures to me this morning. Um, there's the front of the building. It, it doesn't look like the same building. I wanted you to see, look at the floors. Um, those were just rough sawn just rough sawn wood when I was there back in March. But uh, Sunil himself did, uh, did the finish on the floors. They're just absolutely beautiful. Um, again, the front of the building. Let me move along here quickly. Again, handing out to medications at Monkey. Monkey Mountain is also in the mountains, almost inaccessible. Uh, beautiful little girl. Um, the village of Katoka is where Archer Moses preaches. Uh, there again, we... Ha this one, uh, the, cir whoops, the circle you see there, um, when the river is not up, you can cross there. On, they have a, a, a barge, basically, that you, you pull with a rope back and forth across the river. Uh, when the river's up, it's too, uh, the water's too swift to use the barge, so they have to use boats, and they had to transfer all of the medical supplies into the boats, and then they carried it to the village by tractor-trailer, um, not semi John Deere tractor trailer, and there, this is the, uh, again, what medications, some of the antibiotics and so forth that we, will, we won't hand out, we donate those to the village medic in, in the villages that we're in. Um, again, some of the medications being handed out. Um, the village of Ice Shelton is way down in the south. Um, there's the building, uh, Brother Jerry was responsible for building that building. Um, there, uh, um, the congregation, uh, the last trip down there, Brother James took his drone with him, and th they were just in awe of this drone flying around. Uh, they, they really loved watching it, and he got us some good pictures. Another uh, beautiful uh, mother and her, her little girl. Um, us handing out more drugs. You'd think we were drug dealers. Um, there in I Shelton, that's their only source of water. If you'd like to go and climb down in there and help dig the well, I'm sure they'd be happy for you to come and help them. Um, there's some of the road conditions, what they're like more so in the rainy time of the year. Um, there's Brother Joseph. But about the time he was converted, that shack behind him is where he was living, and we were able to raise enough money to, to fix his house enough to where it's suitable for him in his wheelchair, and he's now one of our paid preachers, preaching for the congregation at St. Ignatius. Uh, this time uh, uh, down there, I got to preach my very first funeral in Guyana. 
um, the, the local preacher came to me right after our morning service and asked me if I would preach a funeral. And I said, well, yeah, I, I will. I, di I didn't know the, the man who died or the family or anything. And I said, no, when it, that was about 11.15, 11.30 after our morning worship. I said, when is the funeral? He said, at 1 o'clock. Um, so um, you have to kind of do things on the fly sometimes. Um, again, um, just to, shows you the, how hard life is there. Isn't that beautiful? That's one of my favorite pictures. Um, this is Sunil. He is an Eastern Indian, um, like Eastern Eastern Asia would be Pakistan, Iran, Iraq, uh, um, India would be referred to as Eastern Indian. And uh, his his first wife passed away from cancer about six years ago, and he and his uh, Amerindian bride Jessica are expecting a baby any day. And that's his two older children from his first marriage, Stephen and Stephanie. They're coming to the States uh, soon. This is absolutely my favorite picture of, uh, of all the thousands of pictures I've taken in Guyana. This is at the village of uh, Paramakatoy. Um, on the far left is my oldest son, my oldest granddaughter, uh, my younger son, and myself. Um, gets, gets to me every time I, every time I see the picture. Um, this is our job. You know what Paul said to the Corinthians in 2 Corinthians 4 and verse 7, that God has given us a treasure in, in earthen vessels. We are that earthen vessel, right? We're, did you, you all know Brother James Watkins? Some of you probably did. He used to say all the time that all man is, is, a, neck, is a, a pile of mud with a necktie. Um, that's a, we're, we're just a pile of clay. And we need to remember that we are to be God's tool in that respect, in this treasure this treasure we have in the gospel plan of salvation. And there's what it's all about. Um, a joyous occasion. We'll stand on the river bank and sing, and um, it's a, a joyous occasion to see people commit their lives to Jesus Christ. And as you know, the Great Commission, that's, that's our task. Paul said he, he could say that every, every person under heaven had heard the gospel. We can't say that, can we? Most of us can't even say that our neighbor has heard it. Um, but that's our task. And, and my commitment to Amerindian missions is to try to do my very best to carry on the work that Brother Jerry started. Uh, I try to do things, most things, the way Brother Jerry did. And I, I have such great respect for him that I, I think I could, that's the least I can do in honor to him and the work that he did for the Lord. He was one of the most committed people that I've, that I've ever known um, in my life and uh, dearly, dearly loved him. You, someone's going to do some announcements, I think. Like every preacher, I went over time. Ken never does that, does he? Hmm. Hmm. <laughs> I know from the time I was a small child, I always loved it when missionaries would come to church and they needed to show slides. You know, I love to see those slides from uh, what they did and the people over in other countries. And, you know, the first thing that sticks out in my mind when I see something like this is how blessed we are in this country. You know, just think about how we live each day and uh, all the bountiful blessings that we enjoy. Uh, it ought to make us pause and think a lot about how richly we've been blessed to live where we live. 
And uh, I admire uh, folks that will go into a place like Guyana and uh, do the work that they do. Uh, they certainly are committed to the work, and uh, we appreciate uh, Brother Comstock and the wonderful work that he's doing with the churches in Guyana. And I hope that we will continue to remember Amerindian missions in our prayers. And uh, we're thankful here at Boonville that we can have a small part to play in the good work that is doing. So I hope you'll have a chance maybe to meet him tonight and say hello to him and thank him for the work that he does. A few announcements before we get underway for our devotional tonight. By the way, Brother Comstock is going to present our devotional in just a few minutes as well. Uh, the informer, the bulletin is ready. It's the special graduate edition, so I hope you'll take that uh, as you leave and make sure you get that. Also, uh, the Freed Hardeman University Associates are going to meet tomorrow night at 7 o'clock at the Annex. Uh, final plans will be put together for the Saturday luncheon, and so all the associates are asked to attend tomorrow night at seven o'clock. Of course, in conjunction with that, the Freed Hardeman University Associates annual salad luncheon is scheduled for this coming Friday from 11 to one uh, here in our church annex. Tickets are $10 and are available for many associates, uh, dine-in or carry-out. Uh, cookbooks are also available for a purchase of $5. So please keep that event in mind this coming Friday. Jim? what did I say? See, I thought I didn't even look at the date. I thought it was I thought it was this Friday. So don't listen to me. I've got June twenty fourth down here, but anyhow. If I just stick to what I had written, it'd be okay, wouldn't it? Right? Just don't say anything else. All right, the food pantry and clothes closets coming up uh tomorrow at nine AM. So uh if you want to help out with that, we would love for you to be a part of that. As far as our uh, devotional tonight, Chris Langley is going to be leading our singing. Uh, Brother J.T. Beard will dismiss us in prayer. And Brother Roger Comstock will present our devotional thoughts. One added announcement I wasn't able to catch up before he got here. Uh, because of the uh, bulletin to make room for the graduate uh, feature, uh, we didn't have the uh, what's it called? Order of worship. So uh, I would just ask the men to check at the visitors' table, and there are some uh, assignments as far as who's doing what for the next couple of weeks. Um, if you don't mind, open your song books in uh, preparation for the invitation song, number 683. 683. And then when you've marked that, uh, uh, song books, turn to number 624, 624, Seeking the Lost. We'll sing the first and last verse. Seeking the lost, yes, kindly entreating, wanderers on the mountain astray, honor to
Thank you again for the invitation to be with you this evening, and thank you for your patience. I went a little bit a little bit long, uh, but uh, and, and thank you for your support. Um, your your prayers we certainly uh, seek uh, that you continue to keep us in your prayers and. Uh, like some of you have been over the years, anybody who's, uh, I'll say, physically able and wants to come with us, you're welcome to come, um, and we, we appreciate all the help we can get. Um, seeking the lost. You know, I mentioned at the close of the presentation that uh, Paul referred to us as earthen vessels with a treasure. Obviously, that treasure is the gospel of Jesus Christ. You know, there are people right here. I, I realize not everybody can go to places like Guyana and India and Africa. I understand that. And I don't believe everybody has to go to Guyana or Africa or India. But I do believe we all have to be willing to share the message of the gospel in whatever way we can. Uh, different people have different talents, different skills. And, and I would encourage you. Um, reach out to your neighbors, reach out to your family members, and, and try to, to show them the message of Jesus Christ. And, you know, sometimes we get in this sort of a somewhat of a rut, I guess you could say, that we try to convert people to the church of Christ. We need to convert people to Jesus. He'll put them in the church. We need to convert them to Christ. We need to tell them the message of the saving power and the blood of Jesus Christ. He shed a lot of blood, but I suspect, at least in my mind, I couldn't prove it to you by Scripture, but I suspect one drop of his precious blood would have covered the sins of all the world and all mankind of all ages. But the fact that he gave himself, that's the message of the gospel. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15, the first four verses, that the gospel is the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. When we can make people help them see their sin, and then we can show them a solution to their sin in Jesus Christ, then we can encourage them to become a child of God and be faithful to the Lord. And, and if we'll continue in our obedience of faith and, and walk in the light, he's promised to save us. You know, as, as it's been mentioned, the Guyanese, the, uh, let me be more specific, the Amerindian people in, in these villages for, by our standards, they live an incredibly difficult life. But they really don't need us for day-to-day -day living. They don't need us to feed them and clothe them. They've provided for themselves for centuries. They are the native people of South America. The one thing they haven't had until re fairly recent years is the truth in the, in the message of Jesus Christ. Other religions have been there and are there. Others, uh, will, some villages will not allow us to come because their leadership are of some false religion. And we just keep trying. And eventually the village of Crowdar, the, the, the Tushau, literally, literally ran us out of the village. Uh, we thought we had permission. We have to have permission before we go into a village. We thought we had permission. And apparently the Tushau changed his mind and... I mean, didn't physically take us by the arm, but just herded us right back out of the village. But today there's a faithful church of Christ in the village of Crowdar, 
uh, Leon Henry that I showed you a picture of that we support um, is preaching there, a student of the school. So you see, we, we can never give up. People that, and you know, it's not fair of us to decide for other people. It's not fair of us to say, well, you know, they, they wouldn't want to hear the gospel. They wouldn't be willing to listen. They don't want to hear anything about religion. That's not fair. We don't have the right to make that decision for other people. We just have the obligation to teach it. And some will listen. Some will accept and be obedient to the gospel. Some will laugh in your face and chase you out the door. But we have to just keep preaching it and teaching it and preaching it and teaching it. And in, in, in all we do, if it only reaches one precious soul, it's been worth every ounce of effort, every penny spent. But that's what we have to do. But you know, it begins with us. We have to show people what Christians are. We have to behave like Christians. Paul said, if you're going to, if you're going to call yourself a Christian, walk like a Christian. And so in order to convince people what Jesus is, we have to act like Jesus. That's the challenge, isn't it, of living the Christian life. But the gospel message is really pretty simple. Hearing of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, being willing as we learn from Scripture, as we mature, we see our, uh, what is sin and what is righteousness, and we see the things that we need to change in our own lives, it's called repentance. Jesus said, you can't go to heaven without it. And it's a lifelong process. And you know, if you think about it, uh, Ken, you might have you heard uh, Brother Edwin Jones used to say this. Of the five, you know, we used to do the five-finger exercise. Of, of all of them, with the exception of baptism, hearing, believing, repenting, confessing, and then being immersed, baptized for the remission of sins, those first four... We do our entire lives after we become a Christian. We continue to hear the gospel. As we learn the gospel and learn our shortcomings, we continue to repent as we grow and mature as Christians. We continue to confess Jesus to the people around us. And we continue to share that message to teach people about Jesus Christ. The beauty of it is, I mentioned to you the children. There's nothing more beautiful than a newborn baby. Whether that newborn baby is directly out of the womb or whether that newborn baby is directly out of the womb of the waters of baptism and they become a new creature. That, that's a beautiful, beautiful thing. And, you know, the, the Apostle Peter reminded in, in his second epistle in the first chapter, what about verse 9 or so, he said sometimes we quit doing, he refers to the Christian graces up there in verses 4 and 5, Sometimes we quit doing the things that we're supposed to be doing as Christians in growing, he says, because we've forgotten our purging. Sometimes we forget the, the commitment we've made. Sometimes we forget and go back to living like the world. Sometimes we forget and quit growing. We need to remember, you know, the, 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 the public baptism is an important thing. I don't care when and where a person is baptized. That really doesn't matter. But for the rest of us to witness another person's commitment to Jesus Christ in the act of baptism 
ought to do something for us. It ought to remind us of our own purging when Jesus took our sins away, that beginning, and then has promised to continue to take our sins away as we walk in his light. If you're here this evening and you've gone back to living like the world, or if you're here this evening and you've never made that commitment to Jesus Christ, we're here to help you in any way we can. I know the brethren here will study with you if that's what you need and want. But if you've made a decision that you want to become a child of God, that you want to go to heaven, that you want to be saved eternally, that you want to look like Jesus in eternity, then we'd ask you to come forward as we stand together and sing this invitation song. Father, we are grateful to you for all the blessings of the day, for this fine day that's been ours to enjoy, for the opportunity to, to assemble tonight to hear about the work that's going on in Guyana. We pray, Father, that you would continue to bless Roger and all those that are involved in the work. Be with the congregation here. Help us to be steadfast and movable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, realizing that our labor is never in vain as long as we're doing the Lord's work. Continue to bless the congregation here. Bless all those missionaries that are in difficult places throughout the world. Be with them and encourage them as you always are able to do. We are mindful, Father, also of those of our number that are sick, those that are having health problems and all various kinds of problems, we pray that you would be with them and see to their needs as only you can. Go with us as we depart. Guide, guard, and direct our lives and help us always to try to live life better every day. These things we ask in Christ's name. Amen.